Welcome again, everyone, to the latest edition of the Digital Killed the Radio Star podcast. This is David. As always, I'm here with my co-host, Chris. Chris, how are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Now that the weather's calmed a bit, you? The same. Um, very severe weather here early this morning, and it's rained all day and just been a dreary day. I've pretty much sat on the couch and watched uh, watched baseball all afternoon, so uh, haven't been very productive. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't say that I have either. Well, Chris, before we get going, uh, as usual, follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed, Instagram, Digital Killed the Radio Star. Subscribe to us on iTunes. If you get a chance, give us a uh, review and rate us. That'll help us greatly. Chris, uh, you have a CD or and or band that you wanted to go over uh, with everyone today before we got going with our topic, so I'm just going to throw it to you. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, if, if anybody's been listening to us on a regular basis, they know we, we like to try to introduce, you know, new music and name albums that we're currently listening to. And this one was just released on Friday, so it's still very, very new to me. But it's by a band called Life of Agony. You know, if you listened last week, you, you learned that their their debut, River Runs Red, I, I think is just one of the great, great, you know, I guess metal, hardcore, crossover, whatever you want to call it. Um it's one of my favorite records and they have not made a whole lot. That first one came out, I believe in 93 River runs red and they just released their fifth one. They've gone through spurts till they've broken up. They just taken hiatuses, but this is the first one in 12 years. It's called a place where there's no more pain. It's outstanding. I mean it, and I know I'm a fan, but I can, I can honestly say this is one of their best. It could possibly be, it could possibly be the best one outside of River Runs Red. I, I would have to say it's at least, if not number two, it's number three. So just a strong, strong effort. Um, it's like a lot of their music. It's it's uh, emotional lyrics. It's I think the title says it all, a place where there's no more pain. But just a really, really good hard rock metal record. Uh, if you've never heard them, give them a chance. If you're just looking for something new, maybe a little bit more harder edge. Check it out. The um, I know the lead single is the song "A Place Where There's No More Pain." They also released one called "World Gone Mad." World Gone, World Gone Mad. But probably my personal favorites are a song called "Right This Wrong" and "Song for the Abused." So check it out. "Life of Agony," a place where there's no more pain. It's outstanding. Yeah, and I'll admit I'm not very familiar with them, but um, you had sent me a couple of texts this week, so. Um, I'm going to two concerts out of town this week, so I will have that queued up uh, to listen to uh, either on my trip to um, Tuscaloosa or my drive up to Memphis um, next Monday. So uh, looking forward to that. I know you're a big fan of them. And usually you don't recommend things that uh, aren't good, so it's at least got a good shot of, of being good. Uh, why don't you tell everybody there's a little something different about their lead singer? Well... You know, I was just going to avoid that one, you know, because, uh, but yeah, I'll go there. It's their singer, um, Keith Caputo, uh, outstanding vocalist. Um, Keith is now Mina Caputo. Keith is a, uh, a transgender, or as he call, he prefers to be she. I, it, this is confusing for me. Anyway, prefers to be called transsexual. Um, which you don't really hear a lot of that, but you know, it's, it's weird. You know, we went through our, um, our whole lives and never heard of that being in really in any bands, let alone one of your favorites. And now it's, you've got, you know, Keith is training on Keith Caputo. Now Mina Caputo, the, uh, the singer of, um, rise, uh, no against me is also transgender. So it's, um, it's an interesting world out there. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, Chris, this week, it was your turn to do homework. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I took over listening to Social Distortion all week and ranked their albums, and then you ranked your out, your, gave your list of them, and we kind of went over their discography. Well, it's your turn to uh, do the homework this week. My favorite band of all time is the Black Crows. Um, it's not one of those things where I can exactly say why they are. It's just why do some people like chocolate ice cream and why do some people like vanilla ice cream? I'll admit in 90, uh, when Shake Your Moneymaker came out, I liked the album, listened to it a lot. Southern Harmony, I got it when it came out, listened to it a lot. And then through college, uh, just listened to them kind of passively. 
and uh, always a fan, but just never really, you know, diving in head first. And then I guess about 97 or 98, something clicked with me and um, they've been my favorite band ever since. And you actually had a little bit difficult, more difficult job than I did with Social Distortion because Social Distortion, um, to a varying degree, is a punk band. Well, punk bands don't exactly play long songs or put a lot of songs on an album. So uh, I had seven albums to go over with Social Distortion. Probably the longest one was 40 or 45 minutes. You actually have eight albums from the Black Crows. So you probably had to listen to 25 or 30% more music than I did. But anyway, yeah. yeah, so uh, anyway, Chris, we're going to use the same format as we did on our Social Distortion episode. You're going to uh, rank your albums, and then I'm going to rank mine, and then we're just going to go chronologically through their career and uh, have a good time with it. So uh, why don't you go ahead and um, tell everybody about, you know, just how you listened and then just give your uh, your ratings. Okay, I did pretty much the same thing you did. I, um, I thought you had some good ideas. I, I did not... I did not look up any, and to be honest, I really haven't looked up list now, you know, to see how people generally judge these albums. So I'm, I'm kind of talking with somebody who's a big fan. I, I don't know how fans really look at these albums. I still don't. I didn't really look it up. Um, so I went with just a, an unbiased opinion, and there was I judged them the same kind of the same way you did. I just ranked them on one to five stars each uh, each song tried to come up with an average and there was really no, there was no order that I listened to them. I didn't listen to them in in a chronological order. I, uh, I, I just started with the four albums of theirs that I had. And, um, you know, a couple of them I were, I was somewhat familiar with, but not very. So it was kind of, I was almost kind of starting over, um, to the last four albums I had never heard other than a couple of singles. And of course, the last two records that they did, there really weren't singles. You know, they may have tried, but they, I didn't hear them on the radio. Um, so that's how I kind of came up with mine. And I just, based on what the, what the ratings came out with, I gave my rankings and I'll just go ahead and I'll, I'll start with eight from my least favorite to my favorite. Okay. Number eight, I have war paint. Number seven, beyond the frost. Number six, Three Snakes and One Charm. Number five, Lions. Number four, By Your Side. Number three, Amorica. Number two, Shake Your Money Maker. And number one, Southern Harmony. Interesting. That is not how I thought your list was going to um, turn out. Um, well, well, first of all, give me your, I mean, what did you think? Was it, is it surprising? Is it... I mean, you'll give your list in a minute. Is it close to yours? Is it really far off? It or? is. It is. It is relatively close. Um, I'll, I'll give you mine real quick. Um, my number eight was the same as your number eight, War Paint. My number seven was the same as your number seven, Before the Frost Until the Freeze. Number six, I have By Your Side. Number five, I have Shake Your Money Maker. Number four, I have Lions. Number three, I have Three Snakes and One Charm. Number two, Amorica. And number one, Southern Harmony. So we both, when listening to each other's band, have the same number one album. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That is that is very interesting. What did you say number four and number five were? Number four, I had uh, By Your Side. No, I'm sorry, you had By Your Side. Number four, I had Lions. And number five, I had Shake Your Money Maker. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have our same as, I know our, we were very close with Social Distortion with our, our top and our bottom. The in-between is where we have, we have a little bit different, I think, on each one. Um, you know, but yeah, pretty close. So I guess I'll just let you take over. Okay. Well, the first album was Shake Your Money Maker. It's the first time anybody had ever heard of the Black Crows. It came out in 1990. And we've talked, I think we mentioned this briefly on our first podcast it, it really is amazing that this album sold so well because you have to think of when it, it came out. It came out in 1990. Well, the, the radio and the charts were basically dominated either with pop music or, you know, what you want to call glam metal or hair metal. So you, you, had, you had Madonna and you had things like Motley Crue, Skid Row, Warrant. Of course, that was in Poison's heyday. 
and MTV was really geared toward the the hair metal and you know that just dominated rock radio and here you have this band from Atlanta Georgia come out with an album that's very much um, more of a classic rock record uh, maybe have some hints of southern rock I know they don't like to hear that and I, that would kind of annoy me too just because you're from the south doesn't mean it's you know southern rock but the album had you know had some huge hits she talks to angels jealous again twice as hard the uh, hard to handle uh, seeing things was actually uh, a uh, you know a, a single there I think at the end and they just really dominated the radio waves whether it was I know Chris uh, you know I, I grew up not too far from Memphis like you, you know they were played on um, was it rock 100 99.7 and rock 103 and and rock 103 yeah i mean they were played on uh you know all the stations and just they played like crazy yeah and they you know kind of infamously they opened for uh zz top right when they came out and uh the zz top tour was sponsored by miller light and chris robinson's never been one to, to you know not give his opinion got on stage and went on a rant about corporate sponsorship well they didn't have a tour the next day uh, which you know it's not it's not going to be the first time we you know I talk about him putting his foot in his mouth but it, it is interesting that that album sold so well because it would have been hard to market at that time and they did they got put on some strange uh bills uh touring wise especially in Europe with like scorpions and um uh, I think uh they opened with I think they played you know some festivals with Metallica and I think they played at that Moscow Peace Festival, Chris. You do you remember that? I don't know. Now I, I, I can I can say I don't remember hearing that. That doesn't mean they weren't there. Right. I just can't remember hearing that. You know, I know it was all the I know it was all the hair bands and all, and they might have been on it. Well, what are your thoughts on uh, Moneymaker? Well, I mean, I have it as the uh, the number two album. I know <laughs> you. I knew you weren't going to have it that high, but. To me, first of all, it was I had it. I had the cassette tape when I was a kid, and I um, I think I bought this based off of um, off of Jealous Again and Twice as Hard. Those were the two songs that had been out. I don't think Hard to Handle was really. I don't think that was really a single yet. And then, of course, she Talks to Angels just blew up. Um, I like those songs. Sister Luck, I was always a really big fan of. Um, Seeing Things, great tune. It's just a good, you know, straight up rock record. You know, it, it. This was the one where I know people have compared them to the Faces. This, to me, is the one that's like the Faces, probably maybe more than any of them, because um, it's just that straight up rock and roll. You know, they start going a little bit more into the jam, and especially those records that I put as the, you know, my least favorite, which we'll get to. Those are definitely getting more into jam, and I just, I didn't like that style as much. I like, I like the rock and roll, and. Um, I thought this was good. I, I I still probably, I know it may not be the the sexy pick for you know for Black Crows fans, but as far as my, my favorite song on the album, probably twice as hard. Oh, I, I, I think it's I, such I, a cool song. I absolutely love that song, and it's it's a monster when they play it live. Uh, one of you know definitely a highlight of any show you know I've seen. I've seen them a ton of times, but yeah, you know the the thing about this album is they you know they. They had uh, Mark Ford was not in the band yet. They had uh, Jeff Cease, and then on keys they had. Uh, are you familiar with Chuck Laval or Chuck Lovell? I don't not. For, no. All right, he's the guy that's played piano for the Stones since about 1980, and I think he played in the Almond Brothers. Well, obviously he's hanging out in Atlanta at the time, and you know he plays on the album. He may have actually toured with them a little bit, but um, he uh, he left after that to you know go be with the Stones. Um, full time but so two key members are 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 not uh on the next album and that you ranked southern harmony as your fa- which is the next album as your favorite of theirs i'm gonna let you talk about it first chris uh, your impressions on southern harmony and then uh, i'll t- give you mine well i just remember i remember the singles and um you know the first two that were released and i you you might remember a little bit better than i do but i know the sting me and and remedy and um, I like both of those songs a lot. Now, the only thing about about uh, the only thing probably about Remedy that I'm not a huge fan of is um, when I hear that now, I think of that horrible Howard Stern wrap up show 
they use that as their intro and it right. just kills the song for me because like, oh god i'm about to hear the wrap-up show um yeah the wrap-up shows that bad people um so you know that's not their fault but in any way that kind of it always makes me think of that now but um you know some of the songs on there's some really good songs on it i remember thorn and thorn in my pride was a single but on this one absolutely i can give you just like on on um Shake Your Money Maker, I can give you my hands-down favorite song on here, and it's Hotel Illness. Love that song. Um, and I actually may even like it more on the uh, Crowology. But uh, great, great song. And I mean, it's got a lot of that those songs that are named Sometimes Salvation. Um, just a good, solid album. Yeah, you, you know, we talk about how big they were at the time. They actually opened up the MTV Video Awards that year with playing Remedy Live, and I believe that's the year that Guns N' Roses and Metallica on there as well. So, I mean, they that shows you how you know how popular they were at the time to open up you know the MTV Awards back when that was actually back when they played music. We won't get off on that subject, but yeah, this album debuted at number one, and when I start thinking about albums that are, that are my favorites, this one's probably my favorite and it's definitely one when I put it in, I don't skip over songs. I'll let it play all the way through. So after shake your moneymaker, they parted ways with, um, Jeff cease. And, uh, there was a band that had been opening for them for a while called burning tree, which is kind of a blues rock band. It had a guitar player by the name of Mark Ford. And when Cease left, they asked Ford to come into the band, and in my opinion, just what took it's what took them to the next level. Now the thing with Ford is nobody's gonna nobody's ever gonna accuse him of being the most technical player, but he plays with such feel and emotion that uh, he just adds so much to the band. And they added some uh, some percussion, and Eddie Harsh, uh, who recently passed away was brought in to play uh, piano and organ and just really added a lot to the sound, you know, and things like Thorn in My Pride, you know, the the organ and piano in that. And like you said, it's such a good album from top to bottom. I'll agree with, I'll agree with you. My two favorite on there are My Morning Song and uh, Hotel Illness. And you're right. The version of Hotel Illness on Chronology is amazing. And if you saw them on that tour, Steve Gorman would come out with this huge band bass drum Yep. over his shoulder with like a college or high school marching band outfit on. And it was great. And we'll talk about, I'll talk some more about Steve Gorman, but really one of the great rock and roll drummers uh, of our time. And you will not find anybody that has anything negative to say about him. Uh, he now has his own, a nationally syndicated talk show, radio show on a Fox sports radio that that's very successful. But you know, we were talking about, uh, Warren Zevon, and you were, when you were talking about Warren Zevon's last album, you know, it was a who's who of, of people. And Steve Gorman's the guy he asked to come be his guest drummer. So that says a lot about what people think of his, you know, think of his playing. And Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, you know, I've read several places when the whole um, Led Zeppelin was having the reunion show, if for whatever reason, if Jason Bonham couldn't go, Gorman was the guy they were going to call. So... Well, I guess because that connection page being used to playing with him on that tour, right? And they they are still uh, they're still close. I know on their last tour to get uh, the Crows' last tour, whenever they're in England, you know, they always a picture pops up online of them with Jimmy Page. But Jimmy Page, you know, thinks he could play those Bonham songs, so that's a that's a great um, compliment to him. But yeah, this album sold it sold very well, and they toured a lot, and they you got a hint at the direction they were going with this album with this little bit longer songs and, you know, songs that they would, um, they would extend in concert. I guess you, if you want to start saying they started going toward the jam band route, but a very, very good album. That's good from beginning to end. And, uh, Chris, do you have anything else on this album before we go to America? Well, there was still, to me, there was still enough rock on this record to where it wasn't quite. I don't. I don't look at this as, as a jam band. If any, if anything, this is. I'm going to give them, in some ways, some of these songs. I, I know they. You say they don't like the uh, the southern rock name, but um, this is kind of where they start getting a little bit more of that almond sound. And um, but still, it was straight up rock. I mean, especially with songs like Hotel Illness, Sting Me, still just a rock record. 
they hadn't quite gone as much into that jam band as well as what's coming. Right. So the next album is Amorica. And for me, between um, Southern Harmony, Amorica, and Three Snakes, they're all 1A, 1B, 1C, in my opinion. They're all very close uh, for me as being their best effort. I really think Amorica is the sweet spot for them. I think it's the perfect blend of what they were on their first two albums and what they were going to be on their next album. They added a lot of percussion to it, a lot of um, uh, unique uh, unique beats. You had, you know, you had some rockers like Gone and Conspiracy, and then you had, you know, these really uh, mellow tunes like uh, Wiser Time and Ballad and Urgency and um, Descending. And at this point, I think it came out in '94. Of course, you know. I'm, we're not going to go into what the cover of it was, but it was a very controversial cover that got them a lot of a lot of press. And but the album, I think it just sold five or six hundred thousand copies. But they they really toured extensively with it and really started changing their approach a lot. Um, more uh, jam centered shows, uh, adding some unique covers. They're they're a great band in concert. They they had to do some great cover tunes. And uh, this one, if you ask me, my favorite song on there's wiser time and then um uh, a big fan of gone and high head high head blues and uh non-fiction Th- those are all songs i really like but yeah you're right Th- they were starting to go in the jam band route with this one and uh like i said i think it's the sweet spot for them i i really really like it like I, this is another one when i put in it goes from beginning to the end and i don't skip over anything well, I like on this one. I like I like the conspiracy a lot. I also like high head blues. Um, I like ballad and urgency. Ballad and urgency. The thing I like about that is I think I like the I like the solo on that. I think there's really good guitar play in, and I, I like that piano outro. Um, you know, the the one like one song though. Like there's a couple of them that, that I think are pretty weak. Like that. Uh, is it? Do they say? Is it page twenty five London? Yeah, it's, I think the technical name is like P twenty five London. Yeah, that that song. I mean, just yeah, it's not that great. Bad. It's just bad. Um, but still, there was enough good on it to where it still makes it to number three on my list. I mean, like I said, a couple, maybe a little bit more. To me, had a couple more weak songs than the two ahead of it, and that's why it fell to this place. But you know, the good songs are great. It just had to, to me. It just had to had a couple of slow ones. Um, and I did just I liked oh, and I like descending a lot. I like that one a lot too. Um. Yeah, so that's my thoughts. But yeah, good rock record. Yeah, it is. And the interesting thing is, they actually did an album before this and didn't release it called Tall. And um, it began circulating, you know, on bootlegs and stuff through various fan sites. And it actually contains versions of songs that um, are on Amorica. Some of them with different lyrics. Some of them are arranged differently. And it really is a shame they didn't release you know, released tall as well. I'm going to get into that at the end of our discussion because it comes into play again. Well, Chris, we've talked about Amorica. The next one is one that um, you don't have very high on your list, uh, Three Snakes and One Charm. Why don't you give us your impressions of it? Uh, you know, it, it, I don't know. It wasn't bad. I mean, there, there's some there's some songs on it I like. I thought that uh, I like the – and this, and this is, uh, is going to be one of those albums I did not own. So I was listening to Brand New. Um, Under a Mountain, I thought was a great opening song. I uh, I really liked uh, Good Friday. I thought the I thought the one thing I put a note on is I just thought I had a great bridge in that one. Um, I like uh, Better When You're Not Alone. I thought that one was a really good one. A um, couple of weak ones. I, like I, I really did not like Only Halfway to Everywhere. You'll probably tell me that's one of your favorites, but... I didn't like that one. Um, and then Bring On, Bring On, not a big fan of. I don't know. It, it, it just, it's one of those ones, there were a couple of good songs, but it just, you know, when you when you kind of do your ratings on these, how we do, just like how you did Social Distortion, you have your songs that are, you know, they go from one to five stars and all. There's not, it's not that this is loaded with, you know, ones and twos, because it's not but it's certainly not loaded with fives. And this one doesn't have, for me, doesn't have one five on it. I gave it um, a couple of four star songs, but most of them were three or lower. So, and most of them are probably around three, which means 
I just kind of thought it was an average record. Yeah, this is one that it's held in very high regard amongst uh, their fan base because I think it was the ultimate evolution of where they were going with their sound. And Mark Ford really shines on this one, and so does Rich Robinson. Uh, Rich it doesn't get the credit he deserves for being a great guitar player. You hear people say, well, he's not a great lead player, but he is a great writer of songs, and he's a tremendous rhythm player, and he incorporates all kinds of uh, crazy chord structures and um, um, tunings that you know that that you don't see a lot of people use. If you go see him in concert, he pretty much changes the guitar every song. I think because most of them are tuned um, differently. This album for me is very strong. I, I will tell you, there's two that I really don't like, and um, the the hardcore Black Crows fans that are listening to this are going to give me a hard time, but. Bring On and How Much for Your Wings, I'm just not a big fan of, but people go crazy when they play those. So Bring On, people really like that one? They absolutely love Bring On. It, it was, to me, it was one of the worst on the album. Yeah, I, um, I, we're in agreement on that. Yeah, and, it's surprising that that's one of the favorite ones. You said Bring On and which one? How Much for Your Wings. Um. Yeah, I didn't rate that one very high either. Yeah, I don't. I think I gave that two. I think I gave that two and a half stars. I don't care for those two. Also, I'm not a big fan of the last song on their "Evil Eye." I think the lyrics are kind of cheesy on it. But uh, like you said, "Under a Mountain" is a great opener. I love "One Mirror Too Many." Um, to me, probably the biggest highlight on it is "Girl from a Pawn Shop," and Mark Ford just wears it out on this song. And when if you were lucky enough to see the Crows with Mark Ford. Um, that was whenever they played that, that was a highlight of the show. And Ford just really, he just really shines through on this album for me. Also, like, uh, let me share a ride, let me share the ride. Um, kind of a blues based, um, song that's on the, the second side. But this, with this album, they really kind of, you know, kind of got accepted to some extent by the jam band community. And are you familiar with the Feather Festival, Chris? I remember hearing the name. Yeah, it was basically uh, it was a it was kind of like Horde, um, mm-hmm. but I think the Dead closed it out. I think I, if, if I'm misspeaking, people let me know. But um, but they they had some run-ins with the crowd on that tour. There's a famous bootleg where basically I think you know Chris Robinson stops and is like you know hey guys, Jimi Hendrix played really loud. And I think people were they were playing and people had their fingers in their ears and kind of upset them a little bit. But this is the darkest record they've ever done. Some of the subject matter on here is, you know, it's pretty it's pretty dark. And they apparently started having some real personnel issues um, during the not really during the recording of this, but through the touring of it. So that tour uh, ends and they go into the studio and record another album that they don't release called band and at this point um mark ford was fired um his substance abuse had gotten to the point to where apparently he wasn't very dependable and was he a a heroin addict i believe yeah i mean i i think that's what it was i I can't say that say that for sure but i I've, i've heard that yeah, he was he was he was in pretty bad shape by all accounts. I mean, that was definitely a band that didn't shy away from substances, and um, you know he he. I, I know Rich. I've seen interviews with Rich where he said, you know, sometimes Mark was playing a different song. So I mean, you can't. There's only so much of that you can tolerate. You know. What is he doing these days? <clears throat> What's interesting, you say he is. What when he left the Crows, I think he uh, he cleaned himself up and got his act together and put out two really good solo albums and then he was does he sing yeah he does he's not the best vocalist but i mean it can he can he can get it done and after that he played for uh ben harper and the innocent criminals he was the guitar player for them he then came back to the crows in 05 for a year and he said that um he quit the following year because he said uh it was a challenge to sobriety and so he kind of he left them like three days before a tour was supposed to start and, but now that the Crows are broken up, he and Rich Robinson have mended, defen- mended their fences, and uh, they have a band now called the Magpie Salute, and it's Sven Pippian, who's the bass player for the Crows, Rich Robinson and Mark Ford. They did have Eddie Harsh on keys, who was with the Crows, but 
Eddie unfortunately passed away uh, a month or two ago. And then it's Rich Robinson's band. So it's like a nine-person band, and they're going around, and they're doing uh, probably 70% Crows songs and the rest uh, just kind of cool covers. But they actually have an album coming out in June I think is going to be uh, going to be really good. But, yeah, Ford was asked to leave, and uh, that really put them in a tight spot. And this is an album um, I'm going to let – do you want to do you want to lead on by your side or do you want me to? Because I think this is one we're going to have an interesting discussion on. Well, I mean, I can start it <laughs> off. I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say about it other than I mean, this is one this is one of the ones that I do own, and this is the one I, and I bought this one when it came out when I was in college. Um, I bought it because really the song, the, the, I guess the main single, which I give this song five stars, which is kicking my heart around. I think that song is just awesome. Um, still do. Still think it's a great song. I think Go Faster is a great one. Um, the song By Your Side is really good. Uh, Go Tell It to the Congregation. Big fan of that one. And then most everything else I, I have is at least at least an average song. Um, and I think the... And I, and I do what you're saying, and I can appreciate you know, guys that may not be the most technically skilled but they play with feel and I, I get it I, I i agree with you with that I, that's a, i'm a big fan of that but the uh you have to tell me the name of the, the guy that played the guitar on this but i i just think his playing is awesome and i know you've told me before that fans don't like him or he didn't fit in or whatever it's like man all i hear is a great player well the interesting thing is and i'll be honest with you i did not know this until this week and I, i'm kind of embarrassed to say it Audley Freed was hired but did not play on this album. That is all Rich Robinson. Well, I like it. I think I think the playing's cool on it. Yeah. Well, the problem that people have with it that are that are, you know, diehard fans is if this album would have come out after Shake Your Moneymaker, I think more of them would have been ex- accepting of it. But you've got to admit it's quite the stylistic turn from Three Snakes. Yes, well, and that you're you're right. It does, and it goes back to more like Shake Your Money Maker, you know. So I can understand if the fans grew with the Black Crows, which according to you they did. You know, they progressed with them. The, the Crows were lucky enough to keep their fans as they moved forward. A lot of bands can't do that. They did, and so if they are progressing with them, and then you take a step back and you go back to what you once did from the beginning, then okay, I understand they may not like that. But to me, you know. It's right up there with, um, as far as uh, just just how the first one is, just a great, great rock and roll record. And actually, uh, truth be truth be told, I have it. It comes out pretty much exact, uh, right at the same exact rating as Amorica and By Your Side. Amorica was just a slight, slight edge for me, but I could almost flip the two. It could almost be in my top three. Um, I just think it's uh, I think it's great. I know I told you not too long ago, or I showed you, I sent you a text. Um, Zach Myers, who's a, uh, a local guitarist here in Memphis, Tennessee, plays with um, that rock band Shine Down. He, uh, I follow him on Twitter, and he's you know he's always tweeting. I mean, I've seen this guy play around the city so many times. But anyway, he's he's if you know anything about him, he is a very very gifted guitarist. I mean, prodigy. I remember seeing. You know, Zach, when he's like 13, playing in the clubs. But um, anyway, he tweeted at random one day. It's like, I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, he, he's like, I don't care what anybody says. By Your Side is the best Black Crows record. Um, now, that being said, by the way you talk, maybe he's not really a, maybe maybe he's not that big of a fan. You know, maybe it's just like, they, even though I like them, they're not one of my favorite bands. You know, I mean, I guess if you, if you, I guess what I'm saying is that if they are your band and they are what you're drawn to, okay, well, I can understand if this may not be quite your style because it's not like most of the records. Well, and I think the frustrating thing was, you know, they had built such a following uh, by touring and were just a very successful touring band and, you know, had really kind of, you just look at the covers they would play in concert, you know, they just, great blues classic rock um soul music covers and had just really progressed to just a a good band whether you wanted to call them a jam band or a rock band and a lot of the fans felt this one was an attempt to sell more records in that 
you know, their, their sales had steadily declined. They certainly, you know, selling 500,000 albums, that's not bad, but, you know, it's not selling the millions like the first two did. And they, they recorded this in New York with Kevin Shirley, and you can look uh, Kevin Shirley up on Wikipedia. He's he's worked with everybody. He's a very accomplished producer. But people got frustrated. You know, Chris cut his hair. He dyed it black. Um, they all started, you know, Chris kind of started dressing like a pimp sometimes on, like, the album covers and in concert, and just a total stylistic departure from what they, you know, had been on their, their previous two albums and to some extent previous three. But the album was, you know, successful. It sold well. You know, they played on the tonight show, uh, did a lot. And like we said, Audley Freed came in, who was in a band cry of love. I know you, you really like that first cry of love record, right, Chris? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, if, if, if nobody's ever heard cry of love, this guy is, how can I say? I mean, he's like vocally. I think he is one of the best rock singers. I, I really, I think he's got one of the greatest rocket, just straight up rock voices. I mean, the guy is. I'm not saying he sounds like Paul Rogers, but he's like Paul. In my opinion, like Paul Rogers type talented. He just didn't get. He didn't get the success. Right, they, Paul Rogers. Yeah, and I'm not saying he's as good, but he is that. He is that kind of a talent. Well, yeah, and Audley is Audley Freed is a great guitar player. You look at what yeah, he's all like he, a Hendrix type player, right? And you look at what all he's done since he left the Crows. I mean, if if you, I saw him on two different uh, broadcasts this week on various music channels, where uh, they would have um, tribute concerts to where they had, you know, they were. Um, recognizing somebody and they had all these famous people coming in and he's he's playing in the background he was you know people may laugh at this but this is a was a huge gig for him he was and he still may be the music director for the dixie chicks especially you know when they were really um uh big and i've seen him playing with Sheryl crow he's a very in-demand session guitar player and uh for whatever reason just when you saw him live he just didn't have the feel that Ford did and wasn't quite as sloppy as Ford, you know, and the fans just never accepted him. And I, it's probably not. Fair. It's like, okay, you're too good. Right. Right. You know, people are like, we want a little bit of the imperfections of Mark Ford, you know, but anyway, he was never really accepted, but the album, the album sold well and they wound up touring with Jimmy page, um, after the recording of this album and, uh, was supposed to be a world tour, and Jimmy threw his back out and had to have back surgery, and that put the kibosh on that. So they um, they do By Your Side, they do the Jimmy Page tour, um, and they go into the studio again to record Lions. And I have Lions as my number four album. I really like this album. There's some stinkers on there. Uh, the song Lickin' and Come On, I-, I could completely, if I never heard them again, I would be okay. But it was an album when it initially came out, I wasn't that big of a fan of, but it has grown on me over the years. And like I said, I have it number four after Three Snakes and One Charm. To me, the highlights of it are Midnight from the Inside Out, Lay It All on Me, and Soul Singing. And uh, also like uh, Cypress Tree and uh, Losing My Mind. And uh, let's see what else is on there. Miracle to Me is a good ballad. But they get they toured uh, on this album. They toured with Oasis and Space Hog, opened for them. And what's interesting about that is all three of those bands. It's the lead singer and the guitar player are brothers. And they called it the Brotherly Love Tour. I didn't know that about Space Hog. I remember you telling me about this tour, but I didn't know Space yeah. Hog was on it. So uh, three bands that are all completely different, by the way. Right, and it's like yeah, I mean, it's like they definitely did that just so they can match brothers because it. it they're not alike any of them at all. Well, and they they apparently are very still very close with uh, Liam and Noel. Uh, I've seen numerous interviews with with the Oasis guys and the Crows guys. The Crows guys said it was the most fun they've ever had on a tour. And uh, I know Rich says he's still in contact with Noel a good bit. And I know whenever they're in Europe, uh, if Noel's around, he always pops up at their gigs. So uh, they definitely enjoyed that tour. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on Lions? You know, I, I think that this one, it, it starts out really strong. I remember listening to this one. I was like, wow, man, this is, I was kind of surprised by it. Again, another album I didn't own, I wasn't familiar with. The uh, the first three, 
I liked a lot. You know, Midnight from the Inside Out, Licking, and Come On. I thought those were all great songs. Um, I agree with you, Soul Singing. I gave, you know, I, and I'm familiar with that song anyway. You know, I've seen them a few times in, in to, on tour. I've, I have the chronology. I know that song, and that, I, I mean, I give that one five stars. I thought um, Cosmic Friend. I liked that one a lot. Um, but then it, it got lowered just because of a, a couple of songs. And, and honestly, it, it got my first one star. And that probably dropped down the overall score. What was your one and, star? Uh, Ozone Mama. Yeah, that's a terrible song. I mean, it, I even wrote a note on here. No rap in all caps. <laughs> it's like Chris Robinson trying to rap. Um, and I mean, I know... I, I, don't people if you I mean if you're a Crows fan and don't give me I'm not I know he's not literally rapping but it's almost it took it as his take on it and it just the song the song was terrible and um, you know if it's weird when you do these things though because sometimes when you do lists like that it makes you think you know well maybe you should just throw that one out and rank it without it if you like to think all the other songs are because maybe you'd go higher you know maybe if not for that one and a couple, of, you know, a couple others that are a little bit weak. Maybe it goes higher on my list, you know, because, uh, like I said, it's uh, it's got some really, really good tunes on it. And um, I mean, I could see it if you know, one or two songs, if they were a little bit better, I could see it pushing its way up at least to the you know top four, maybe top three. So yeah, I liked this one. This was uh, this was this was the last one of all their records I listened to. The last one that I, I really liked. Um, I know you loved like three snakes. It's okay. Um, then of course it fell off after that, which we'll get to that in a minute, but yeah, I thought it was good. Well, they broke up after this album. <laughs> so, uh, that was what a lot of people thought was going to be the last album they were going to make. They broke up and, uh, Chris and Rich went on to solo, um, material and, um, they were away for four or five years and came back with war paint. And at this point they had, um, hired uh luther dickinson from the north mississippi all-stars to play and luther's a great guitar player and for what he played on he was a re- really good part because the the last two albums just kind of i think chris robinson had more input on them than, than anybody else and they just they're just not good and i'm not real sure of the direction that that he was going in but um Luther was played well on it, but Luther couldn't handle the back catalog when they played live. And it was just really hard for fans to uh, come to terms um, with him playing. But War Paint, um, I have it as my least favorite. You have it as your least favorite, Chris. That's all I'm going to say on it. You can chime in all you want. Yeah, it is. It is definitely my least favorite. Um, I, I honestly, I don't have a lot of good stuff to say about it. I mean, it's. Uh, in all honesty, too, I don't even have my uh, my song breakdown in front of me. There wasn't much I liked on this. I mean, I thought the song of Josephine was okay. Um, I guess there's a couple that are okay, but overall, no, didn't do it for me. I mean, it's it's. Um, I mean, I gave this one, and honestly, I probably could have gone a little bit lower. But I guess I was kind of being nice and not didn't want to bash my buddy's band but <laughs> I, mean, I, I gave it a 2.6 and it probably could have gone lower yeah i mean i'm not you're not gonna get any argument out of me on that one well that leads to their final album before the frost until the freeze and this album was kind of unique in that um they camped out in woodstock new york with uh, at levon helms barn which is a recording studio and so for about two weeks they rehearsed these songs and then they had this lottery for people to get tickets. I think it'd hold about maybe 100 people. And they would come in and they would play these songs that nobody had ever heard live. And they they did it. They did that either three or four weekends in a row. And all of the songs on this album were recorded in front of people that have never heard the, the music before, which is a unique thing to do. And it's really cool if you won that lottery and got to go up there. So and- this is recorded live then? Technically, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I was say I can hear some crowd, like a little bit of crowd, but it doesn't sound real loud. I guess that would explain why. So they're playing in front of a very small group. Is it in the studio? Yeah, it's in a it's it's a barn. That's a recording his recording studio. He's very famous for having Levon Helm of the band. If you're not familiar, he was very famous for having these things called midnight rambles. 
uh, the last couple years of his life, and just all these famous people would show up, I think, on Sunday nights at like midnight at his barn, and whoever was there, they would just jam and play with. And um, the Crows set up camp there for about a month, and they actually have a DVD of the whole experience. I think it's called Cabin Fever. That's actually pretty pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so the people would come in, and I think they told them, like, don't clap until we tell you to or something like that. I could be wrong, but they, you know, there was very tight security. You know, you couldn't get in there with a phone or anything that could record. And I think the first night somebody was able to somehow record it, and it hit the, you know, hit the message boards and the, you know, I think it kind of made the band mad because, like, look, you know, we're inviting you in on this really cool experience. The least you can do is, you know, agree to our rules. But there are some songs on this album I really like. Uh, Good Morning, Captain, Appaloosa, Waiting on Love, and the band played on, and I Ain't Hiding. Uh, I really enjoy those. The album was originally intended to be a a double album. Um, the album that was released, I think, is 10 or 11 songs. And there's another probably 10 songs that were recorded that... Uh, when they released it, they released it on vinyl and they added those songs in intermixed with the songs on the original release to give you an alternate running order. And the the songs that weren't released were more um, kind of country folk, a little singer songwriter stuff. He had uh, members of Levon Helms band. They had members of Levon Helms band come in and play with them, uh, you know, some mandolins and stuff like that. But, on this album, I think Luther Dickinson really shined, and they uh, they released it. And um, like I said, it has some good songs on it. It's just the ones that are bad. It's kind of like you were talking about. You know, you get one or two one stars on there, and it really drags the overall feel of the album down. And that that's what happened to me on this one. Yeah, which you know, it's weird when we do it like this, the way we're doing it for you know, because it's really the and I think the way you came up with it to do that, where we are ranking them by the songs, it's really the best way to do it in a quick period of time. It really is, but it's not really the most fair. It's just the easiest and best way you can do it. And the reason why I say it's not the most fair is, let's say there's there is an album that has let's say each each album has ten cuts, and you know. They both have a bunch of like threes and fours, maybe a couple of fives. They're all pretty good, but one, maybe a couple, uh, has just a couple of ones on it, and you automatically it falls way down on the list just because of the song or two. But yet, maybe the other songs collectively were better, you know. So if it's my own favorite band, just because there's a song that I think is horrible, it still may make it towards the top of the list. Um, they don't really get that kind of luxury, that kind of benefit when you you don't know the albums like like me for black crows you for social distortion i don't know if i'm making any sense no it but, makes total sense but a one star can really drop an album where it may be if it was like i said if you if you'd lived with the album for a couple of years or whatever that's maybe not fair but but you've got to have some way to rank it in a quick period and i think this is the best way to do it and so yeah one star is going to kill you um and I'll tell you, with this album, I uh, I think I I mean well not I think I know I did it wrong. However, and what I mean by did it wrong is I didn't know I just got through uh, iTunes Music, either Apple Music. That's how I listened to the album, and it's they had the twenty cuts, and so I listened to the twenty cuts. Oh, and um, now that being said. I can look at the track listing. I can do the first eleven, and I can tell you it'll still be War Paint. So, and it still wouldn't go ahead of number six. So it still came out right, but I just didn't do it completely correct. That being said, the reason why I put that disclaimer on is I got to go to that the ones that did not make the actual CD version. It had the best songs on it my opinion and you're right they're definitely more there's the real bluegrass feel to them right. especially the song um let's see the garden gate very bluegrass song I, I really liked that one um i put that one as four stars also really liked so many times um and then my favorite one on all of these 20 songs is the very last one fork in the river i think that song's awesome yeah, yeah it is a good song yeah that's that's man i should have told you about that because that um, you know, yeah, it doesn't point it out because if you look at it on if you look at it on Apple Music, it doesn't say it doesn't tell you anything about it, and it lists them one through twenty. Yeah, like on the original on the original album, uh, I think it's called "The Last Place That Love Lived." I think that's the last song. 
Um, so yeah, that, yeah. Uh-huh. That really, yeah. I man, I'm, I apologize. I should have. No, it's okay. You. Like I mean, look, I at least found. I mean, I think that <coughs> those three songs that I named that are on the, you know, I guess the download version, those are the three best songs to me, anyway. And to me, you know, I mean, I, of all the new material that I listen to, the four albums that of the four albums that I listened to that I, I, I did not know at all. I mean, I think that. Fork in the River is about as good as any of them. I mean, I really did like that one a lot. It's it's a it's a good song. They they play they played a lot of that second part of that album on their final tour, not their final tour, next to final tour, where uh, you like the time you and I saw them at Mud Island in Memphis. You know, they did an hour and a half acoustic, then an hour and a half electric. They yeah. they, they played a lot. Of, th- th- those songs got a lot of play on that tour for one thing they were trying to fill you know two two long sets but that album uh is a solid number seven in my book and you know we were talking about social distortion you were saying like hey a number eight i mean you know a last place social distortion album for me is an album i really like i can say that pretty much for the crows except for war paint and it's just one i never listened to it I like the opening song on it, Goodbye Daughters of the Revolution. And I like a song on it called Moving On Down the Line. But the rest of it just never did anything for me. And it's the only one that I can truly say I, I don't um, I don't have in the rotation. Yeah, and when I'm going through this catalog, I, I would say that one, yes, obviously, I don't like it all. Uh, um, not at all. Beyond, I will say, you know, beyond beyond the frost until the freeze. If it did not have, you know, those nine songs on it, if I didn't listen to that version, I'll tell you I wouldn't like it. I don't think I'd like it that much. I think those those elevated it. So I think it's definitely got some good songs on it. I think that I know you say that the the fans love Three Snakes. This is kind of you know what this is. This is kind of like Three Snakes is kind of like how for you, Social Distortion self titled was. Fans love it. I love it. You're like, eh. And that's kind of how I am with Three Snakes. Um, well, and, you know, which, and, and, and you don't tend to really gravitate toward that style of music as much as I do as well. No, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of like, you know, I would, um, you know, some of the, the, um, some of the punk stuff, you know, like you were saying, like, I would imagine you wouldn't like that first social distortion album because it's so punk, you know, cause I don't, I don't really gravitate toward that, which is one of the things I make, I think makes what we're doing very interesting is getting each other's perspective on things that we're not that familiar with. And, you know, judging, like you said, you didn't really research these albums. You didn't really know what, you know, their fan base really thought of them. And I thought it was interesting that, Mine and yours were more in line than I thought they were going to be. I honestly thought you were going to have by your side number one. No, it's it's. I mean, it, it, the reason why, and I think the reason why I probably thought it might would be closer up there too, is because the songs on it, the like some of those singles that I named, I think are so good. But it did have some songs that really kind of brought it down. When on you know on a, and I haven't listened to that album in in, in years, you know. Um, but when listening to it. I noticed that some of the songs are, are a little weak, and that's probably why it went down more. Whereas something like Amorica, to me, it doesn't have the song like you know, kicking my heart around. It doesn't have quite the, a song like that that just you know really grabs you. But it was more consistent. Yeah, I think that's a fair observation. And I mentioned two albums that they had recorded and never released. They actually did release them. Um, the name of the album was called The Lost Crows, and I cannot find it anymore on Spotify or iTunes. I think you'll probably pay an arm and a leg for it on uh, Amazon. I have it. And it's a shame they didn't release those two albums because Tall and um, Band, the two albums on Lost Crows, would have both for sure bumped. Um, they probably would have come in number four and number five for me and you're talking about the song by your side they have the original version of that called if it ever stops raining which uh is really really good and those albums are are just so good uh maybe their best ballad it's called wyoming and me very good songs if if you're listening out there and you're familiar with the crows and you like them it's worth 
trying to find a copy of that uh, that album. It's really, really a good album. And like I said, they're pretty much out now as Magpie Salute um, with the new album coming out this summer. And it's really unfortunate the way things played out with them. For those that aren't familiar, they went on a hiatus after uh, Beyond before the I keep before the frost until the freeze. I don't know why I keep getting that messed up. And most people thought they were probably probably done. And they came back for one more tour. And they did not bring Luther Dickinson back. They brought Jackie Green back. And if you're familiar with Jackie Green, he's more into the the Grateful Dead style of uh, of music and playing. And they did a tour. And um, I think they were going to take a year off. And as the story goes, Steve Gorman has talked about it. I think Chris came to them and wanted ownership of the band over Rich and Steve Gorman, who've both been there since the beginning. And they said, we're not we're not signing over anything. And so the Crows broke up. And everything that I've read, you know, Rich says that I don't think he and Chris have even, they're sad, they're brothers. I don't think they've spoken in three or four years. And um, I don't foresee them ever getting back together again. Chris has a very successful solo career with a band called uh, the Chris Robinson Brotherhood. They they do very well touring. Uh, the music is is just not for me. It's more uh, Grateful Dead style stuff. Now, Rich's Rich's solo albums are actually very good, and you can really um, you can really see how good of a guitar player he is on those albums. But uh, I, I encourage you if you like the Crows. Uh, be on the lookout for the Magpie Salute. It's uh, it's gonna be a good it's gonna be a good album. It's gonna have some Crow songs on there and some good covers. It's a live album that I think they cut in New York. Um, no, they cut it in Woodstock, the same place they recorded uh, uh, before the frost until the freeze. Well, Chris, as we get ready to wrap this up, I, I know this was a lot of work for you, and uh, I think you did a good job on your homework, and I, I enjoyed getting your feedback on all of these albums. Well, it's fun to listen to, you know. I mean, I, I like I said, I only only had only had four of the of the eight of them, and I'd only heard four of the eight of them. You know, that's all I had. I never had other than some singles. You know, which like we talked about, the last two really didn't have any. So, yeah, I mean, I was it was half of the material was brand you know brand new to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a uh, I enjoy it. I mean, you know, it's kind of funny too, though, is the um, and I don't think it's just coincidence, but the uh, as I'm looking at my list right now, it's the first time it's actually kind of hit me. But my uh, one through four are the albums that I own, and I don't think it's just oh, it's because I own them. I'm four more familiar. It's just because I like that material more. That's why I bought the albums. Yeah, I mean, can't argue, can't argue with that. And you know, like on um, social D. My top two albums for them were albums that um, that I owned as well. I mean, you know, if you if you're trying to cram this into a week or two of listening, obviously the stuff you're more familiar with, you can't help being more familiar with. And you know, we both have lives and a job outside of this podcast, and so there's only so right. much time, there's only so much time you can dedicate to it. But uh, I do apologize for uh, not telling you about um, the double album that really was released as a single album because you definitely had a lot more music to take in than I did with Social Distortion. But we're going to do this again in the future with uh, different bands. I, I know I've gotten good feedback from people uh, regarding the Social Distortion one, and I think uh, we'll get good feedback on this one because um, it is it is interesting. Um, Chris, do you have anything else to add before we sign off? Uh, no, I, think, I mean, not not really. I mean, it just, um, you know, if you ever like the band, go check them out. You know, re- get reacquainted with them. Uh, maybe check out some of the albums you don't know. Um, worth a listen. Well, Chris, we should tell everybody, um, you and I both have a full plate this week as far as live music. Why don't you tell everybody who you're going to be seeing before they hear from you again? Yeah, I will be going uh, Tuesday night. I am going to see the band we talked about a few weeks ago. They're called Astronoid. You know, they call themselves Dream Thrash. Uh, just a refresher, if people don't, if you don't know that, it's they're, they're basically it's like it sounds. I mean, it's very dreamy, soft vocals over kind of thrash metal, um, unique sound. Check them out if you're just looking for something different. It, it it really it'll it'll be a little bit surprising to you for that sound, but it's not going to just be. It's something that I think it's pretty accessible for most people. I'm seeing them Tuesday in Brooklyn. 
And then the very next night, I'm going to see Ryan Adams at the uh, famous Beacon Theater in Manhattan. So really looking forward to that. Yeah, and I'm going Tuesday night to see uh, Def Leppard, Poison, and Tesla. I'm, I'm really excited about seeing Tesla. I've never seen Tesla live. Have, have you seen them live, Chris? I have. I've seen them once. Mm-hmm. They consist- I've seen them once, and then I also saw uh, years ago, if you'll remember, um, the uh, Sofa Kings. It's Sofa Kings. Yeah, say that fast, and yeah, they intended that. Uh-huh. But um, anyway, in that Sofa Kings, I don't know if you remember them, but it was uh, – it was Jeff Keith was on vocals, Skio was on guitar. I want to say even Brian Wheat was in there, but that was but that was it. And it was a couple other guys. And when we saw when I saw them, it was probably seventy five percent Tesla. And then I saw Tesla probably I don't know about five years ago or so. Um, they were good, good rock band. Yeah, they unfortunately get lumped into that hair band scene, and I don't really consider them that i know they had the love song the power ballad but uh they get great reviews as a live act they're they're the same way to me as um let's just say uh like a guns and roses now the band sound nothing alike but it's kind of like guns and roses okay i get it you're not you know bubblegum you know poison talk dirty to me i get it we know you're not that, but you still do have enough of a sound that gets grouped into that. It's the same thing with Tesla. Tesla doesn't have that bubblegum sound. They're more just rock music. And, you know, unlike, you know, at least at least Guns N' Roses looked kind of glam when they first came out. Tesla pretty much was always blue jeans and T-shirts. They, they literally look like they got off work at the oil change place. Yeah, and, you know, Jeff Keith was a trucker, you know, before, you know, when he when – he, Legend is, you know, he called into a uh, a radio show. And that's how he got the gig. And I think he, I think he may have been driving his truck at the time, driving his rig. You know, and but anyway, yeah, I think you'll enjoy. It. Where are you seeing him again? In Tuscaloosa, it's an amphitheater, so um, okay. Hopefully, it won't be too uh, hot and muggy. But and then um, you'll be getting back from New York. Uh, our next podcast, Chris actually is not going to uh, be on it because he will be in New York. Uh, my friend Gage Patterson from Chicago will be calling in, and uh, we will be recording a podcast later this week. And then next Monday night, uh, something I'm really excited about, Chris and I are going to see Tom Petty in Memphis. I've never seen Tom Petty, and he's on my bucket list, and so I am really looking forward to that show. You, you've seen Petty before, correct? I have, and, and I've told you before, he was one of the – he was actually one of the more fun shows that I've been to. You know, he he's one of those guys, he's like um, – it's like how Paul McCartney and Bruce Springsteen, when you see them, they uh, they have so many songs, but yet they could still, they've been playing forever, they're older guys, they could they could do an hour and a half and get off the stage, but they don't. You know, they'll play, and he doesn't play, I don't remember him playing like, quite like how, you know, Springsteen and McCartney will go three hours plus, but I remember him playing probably two and a half, close to three hours, and the thing about those three guys is... They don't need the money, especially McCartney and Springsteen, but none of them need the money. And when they're on stage, all three of them look like they're having the time of their lives, and I don't think that's fake, you know, because otherwise they wouldn't be doing it anymore. Right. And they don't, I don't need to. I don't think the Heartbreakers get the credit they do as just as being great musicians. Well, I mean, without Mike Campbell, I mean, where would where would they be? Yeah, but I mean, in Ben Montench is on organs and keys is just phenomenal. Oh, he's great. He's great. But yeah, I, was, I brought up Mike Campbell just because I know he's such an integral part of the songwriting. Right, and I mean, he's a and he's he he plays on everybody's albums. Uh, yeah, he's very uh, very well respected. Well, I'm looking forward uh, to that, um, Chris. I thank you for going through the Black Crest catalog. I've enjoyed it. Like everybody that knows me knows this is my favorite band, so I didn't have to do any homework this week um don't have much to do homework to do for the podcast going to do with gage and then uh we haven't talked it over yet but we'll probably talk extensively about our live music that we've seen um the next time you and i get together to do a podcast so uh chris that might be what we talk about is just to talk about you know when and we don't people we're talking we don't even know what we're doing next it may be that we talk about our collective what Four shows, five shows, our collective shows, right? And we can talk about that, and then maybe talk about. I know there's going to be 
I think there's there's going to be at least one new record that's come out for at least for me, which is going to be the new Afghan wigs. So I'm sure I'll have a lot to say about that. Um, I don't know. We may just kind of just do it freely, loosely, and see what we feel like talking about. Yeah, it'll be fun, and we want to. I want to thank everybody again that that follows us. Um, I'm able to somewhat track who's listening and how many people are listening, and uh, we have people literally listening all over the world. And so uh, we appreciate that. And if you like it, share us uh, on your Facebook page or Twitter or uh, whatever social media platform that you use. And uh, the easiest thing is just go to iTunes and subscribe. And it just shows up on your phone or your desktop uh, whenever you log in. So, Chris, I hope you have fun in the Big Apple and have safe travels and uh, enjoy that Beacon Theater. I think that's going to be a great experience for you. Yeah, I think so, too. I'll, uh, I'll try to get you a couple of good shots and a couple of video clips and I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about. Okay, everyone. We will see you again uh, next week. Thanks for listening.